random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And on this episode, we are talking about the career of the late, great, legendary George Perez. George, we had lost on, uh, what was the uh, date? It was Friday, but it wasn't announced until Free Comic Book Day, which... Put what, it more in perspective, yeah, yeah. What a time to announce it. Yeah. George had been battling, uh, I believe it was pancreatic cancer? Yes. Pancreatic cancer, and the legendary uh, Boriquin comic book artist has left this mortal plane, and we are glad to have the massive output of work that he has created in his, I believe, almost 50-year-long career. And... We got to experience it. It was pretty cool, you know, and... Well, if that's true, 50 years, if you're going by that, I'm thinking he was a teenager, like maybe 17, 18. Yeah, he was doing, like, fan art and stuff like that. Mm. So there is, like, a level of... Wow. You know, and yep. just a lot of the stuff he had done. He was known for iconic runs over at Marvel, and especially at the Distinguished Competition. Obviously, you know, his work at Marvel was impactful, but you can't discount the massive and just incredible work over at DC Comics. Some of the stuff, including his run on Wonder Woman, where he was the writer and I believe cover artist, as well as a iconic run of the New Teen Titans. And that New Teen Titans run, I've never read much of it. I've read maybe bits and pieces, you know, like the uh, New uh, New Teen Titans Annual Number 2, where it features the debut of my one of my favorite characters, Vigilante. But overall, it's a legendary run that, you know, features debuts of characters such as Deathstroke, Slade Wilson. So it, it's pretty great to read and check out. And it is a uh, bummer for the comic book community. For myself, you know, I've been a fan of him for a while, but George was not the guy that got me in. Whereas you, you have been a fan since the 1970s reading this stuff and I, I think, it. yeah, I, I may have seen some of the earlier stuff, but what comes to mind is in the 80s with New Teen Titans and Wonder Woman. Right. And then I think, and probably out of sequence or didn't realize who the artist was at the time with the run on Avengers and just trying to think of, you know, covers that he's done. It's, for me at this point, of course, and for many others, recognizable. Yeah. And then you look for his very well-lettered name, first and last, one above the other, in some corner of the cover. And away we go. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff, and I'm trying to remember my first uh, sighting, because I really never met him. And it was at really the, probably the very first Big Apple Comic Con under the name of the New York uh, Comic Book Marketplace. Right. Where it was... A, over, he was a guest over, of honor, wasn't he? Uh, possibly, but, to be. but probably the first time I encountered a very long line and wondering what was going on, and doing, you know, doing drawings, commissions, whatever, those were, I think, $25 a piece, but for any autographs... <sighs> I bet you're kicking yourself over that not, now, It huh? was not, well... I, 25 you know, for a sketch is not bad, especially yeah. him. 
Well, yeah, if you knew then what you know now. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, didn't do it. And, okay, so, yeah, I'm a little sad about that, of course. Uh, but didn't, um, having not been to too many shows, especially this one in New York City, didn't think that, you know, that long period of time, and I thought maybe by the end of the day I would get on that line, and it was just a nonstop thing, so it just yeah. never happened. But if you wanted anything autographed, that was no charge. He was doing that, uh, you know, at least at the time. Um, but it's it's sad. It's an unfortunate part of life that these things happen to us in general. It just when they say people die in threes, and we had Neil Adams just before that, and now George. Um, it's it was literally on the same day. Like just again, here we go again, mm-hmm. one week later, and you know, obviously, it's not going to happen. Knock on wood. But I would be heartbroken if we hear something on Friday or Saturday. You know, sure. But yeah. What gets me about this, you know, my experience with him, um, the first time I met him was, I want to say, New York Comic Con had to be 2012 or 2013. An acquaintance of mine ended up giving me a bunch of uh, stuff for him to sign, one of which was a uh, Green Arrow comic. And I remember it was Green Arrow, you know, circa the uh, New 52, and got it signed for him. But this was how George would do his thing. If you went to his table, he had his handler... And they would give you a ticket. On the ticket was a number. And if they they would call that number, or if that person wasn't there, whatever number was closest to it. Mm -hmm. I think I heard this, yeah, yeah, or or heard about it. I've recounted this on the story, on the podcast before. I think when it was announced with George's uh, illness, I recounted this. But I remember, you know, sitting there waiting with some people, one of which was a a Wolverine cosplayer, you know, doing the Hugh Jackman style with the, uh, the leather jacket, tank top, and the stogie. And we're just sitting there and waiting, and I go, oh, crap, I got to go because I got to go run over to this thing. And if you've been in New York Comic Con, it can be an arduous task to go from one place to another because of the sea of humanity that the con is. If you want to do something, you have to add five to ten minutes on your time to get there. So if it's a five-minute walk to get there, congratulations, you'll be there in 15 to 20 minutes. (laughs) So... Doing that was a bit of a hassle, and I get up, and immediately I leave, and then I come back like maybe half an hour later. They tell me, right when you walked away, he was finished, and they were on to the next person, which would have been you. So if I had waited a minute, I could have been able to get my stuff back. But then I just sat, waited, because that's what New York Comic Con is, essentially, the cons in general, those big ones. It's literally like Disney. You're standing on a line for hours on end for a three-minute ride. So there's that. But when I met him, had him sign some stuff, told him I absolutely adored his work. And I, you know, I had him sign my copy of uh, Infinity Gauntlet number one. So that's one of my little cherished uh, keepsakes. And then, you know, years later down the line, Cliff Galbraith of East Coast Comic Con ended up holding the show and he brought him on. This was the last East Coast Comic Con. So 2019, Mm. he had at the show like an Infinity Gauntlet reunion, which was incredible. Just you know, it was uh, George, Jim Starlin, Ron Lim, Joe Rubenstein, and doing their thing, signing things, whatever you could. And we got there early, if you remember. And we're waiting for the show to start. And I go over, and he's signing some things for people. And at Cliff's show, he never gave people press badges. You got a press badge in theory. What you were given instead was an exhibitor badge. And I had my giant Infinity Gauntlet, which had been signed a few months prior at, or a, a year prior at Terrificon. I want to say it was 2018 where we got to go. 
and I had him sign that. I had uh, Ron Lim, Jim Starlin sign, I think Rubenstein as well, but the only one missing was George. So I had like the Marvel Legends Infinity Gauntlet. And if you've seen this thing, it's as big as your torso. It is a big thing because obviously it fits on Thanos' big-ass hand. So I'm holding this, and I go, George, could you sign this for me? And his handlers and everybody, they see the exhibitor badge. They think I'm going to be taking this and flipping it. Mm. So that's fun. And I go, no, I'm not an exhibitor. I'm here as press. This is all Cliff has. And I just get the side eye the entire time. I'm like, cool, guys, thanks. But being able to sit and talk with him for a few minutes, and I remarked to him, I'm like, hey, we're here as press. I was wondering, we do a podcast, and I you know, pitch our show to him that you know, I've got down pat at this point. We'd love to have you on the show. To which George remarks, I'm going to have to pass because I got all these commissions and everything to do. Plus, I've told my story so many times. No one wants to hear it anymore. Bullshit. (laughs) Because I had wanted to hear that story. And I know so many of you out there would have wanted to as well. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Unfortunately, it never will happen. But being able to sit and talk with him... And how humble and down-to-earth he was as a human being. Mm-hmm. Just, good Lord, just such a nice guy and an icon in the, you know, an iconic uh, Puerto Rican comic creator. You know, he's up there as one of the most important figures. And to be able to see the output, and the by the way, the outpouring of reactions to his passing has been amazing to see. It makes me wish that I got to meet him and know a little bit more, but it's only going to be through the comics that I have that I've yet to get to so that ne- I will. You never no. had anything signed by him? No. Wow. Nope. nope that and didn't you, happen. we were at East Coast. Wait, no, you weren't. I was going to say, I don't remember being at the last East Coast. Yeah, you were not there. There was another commitment that was happening, so it didn't, it didn't happen. It was, the, yeah. it was a graduation day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly right. So, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I like, you know, three years later. But <laughs> wow, I did not. Re- I never knew you. Never met him. Yeah, because yeah, I've seen again. I've seen him over the years, and it's like he was always cool to meet. He was very polite, very friendly. And now this year, um, with his passing, they're going to be holding the memorial service over at I believe MegaCon in Florida. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. He's going to be going there possibly, depending on his schedule, but like, I'd like to be able to go. I wish I could. I want to go to the Neil Adams one because, just because, you know. To has that one been announced? Uh, no, nothing has been announced for him, but, you know, obviously in time it'll be revealed, but. Mm-hmm. And where? Yeah, it'll probably be New York City, but. I would think so. I didn't know. Well, I, I guess now, see, not knowing too, too much about George, is that um, Florida would be the. Logical, I suppose, the yeah. most likely place for for that to happen. And how appropriate is it to have him have it at a comic convention? Oh yeah, like it, it's a it's a celebration of a guy's life who he's he's given so many people. He's an inspiration for so many people to pick up a pencil and just go off and do this, you know. And you look at a lot of other creators out there. They. That's that's the importance of being a creator in this, you know, field. Just doing something and inspiring people to keep them going forward and doing something and accomplishing their dreams. You know, Rob Liefeld just did his uh observations episode as a tribute. I haven't finished listening to the episode. He, you know, he's doing like some replaying some interviews that you know uh George had done over the years. 
through ma- uh, magazines and journals and whatnot. But the uh, you know I'm I'm curious to hear about that because you look at you know Rob is a massive fanboy like to this yeah. day like he is he's still the passionate fan he's still you know little Robbie you know going to the liquor store and buying comics off of the uh, spinner rack there that's you know what he still is that the liquor found. store yeah you listen to a podcast how do you oh, hear it? okay I didn't realize so there's that element of you know that fandom and one of the things I've always wanted to ask Rob at a show is what is it like to have your original creations be drawn by the people you idolized and grew up loving like that is the coolest thing like Eddie, for you, that would be like, you know, having a, you know, iconic radio DJ, like having Scott Shannon do an intro for you for your show. Ladies oh, and gentlemen, no. the Eddie Wilson show. No question. Scott like Shannon, how, Rick Dees, Cousin Brucey, you know, there's several. Dan Ingram, yeah. may, you know. Cousin Brucey got to do an interview with you. Uh, I got to do an interview with him. Yeah. yeah. But still, mm-hmm. you got to do that. And it's like showing that level of respect back. And then he asked you a question in the middle of it. He interviewed you very briefly as the very what first question. What are you question. doing up so early? Yeah. Well. So... <laughs> But what gets me with all this is with, you know, George passing, it's, it is a newfound celebration of his life and just so many different things that we get to appreciate. You know, again, I've met him so many times at this point. Like, I have my dog-eared copy of the Infinity Gauntlet signed by him. And inside of it is, you know, him, Jim Starlin, and uh, Joe Rubenstein, and Ron Lim, and all these guys, these creators that crafted such an iconic and legendary story. And like, he wasn't even on for the full thing. I got to sit, Mm. I actually got to sit in for the uh, Infinity Gauntlet reunion panel that was moderated by friend of the show, John Trumbull. And there, you know, just listening why he couldn't do it. And it was because he had like a scheduling conflict. He couldn't get it done in time. So they threw Ron on the title and there were no hard feelings or anything like, Hey, we got to get this done. This is like, needs to be done. And that's a normal, commonplace, I'd say, comic book publication part of the process. Right. It's like another day at the office sort of thing. What I was thinking uh, about, sort of on the same topic, is are has it been done before? Would it be done going forward? Let's say for this year, what's left of 2022, that shows that people go to the uh, holder of said con, whichever one it happens to be, puts a little something somewhere in memory of or oh, I wouldn't a, little, doubt it. a little not a shrine kind of thing but just a recognition it could be like if they're thing. doing programs at that table or, or whatever it might be when Adam uh, West passed away they you know all these different convention promoters put little things on the side we're sending this off to Adam's family and just you know sign this yes I do remember that and for Adam West mm-hmm. yeah so there is that element of hey we want to pay tribute to these people in any way shape or form and I feel like the biggest way to pay tribute to him is you donate towards the Hero Initiative, which was a charity, which was a foundation that he was a chairperson on. He was majorly involved with it and helped out has helped out so many creators over the years that are in need, you know, with medical bills and whatnot. So, again, go to uh, the Hero Initiative. You can, you know, Google it online, pull it up and do what you can because... That's what George would have wanted. He would have wanted a tribute, like, in that way. Not, you know, hey, I'm going to, like, get give something to me. No, it was help out the other ones mm-hmm. because he was your favorite. If he was your favorite creator, help out the creators, you know, the favorite creators of someone else or somebody future, you know, down the line. 
So it's it's very heartbreaking. But, you know, go, rewinding back over to when I was talking about Rob, one of the things was he had Rob, he had George draw for him all of his Extreme Studios characters. So you saw him draw like this gigantic thing. And that was one of George's major trademarks. He had George draw all of the Extreme characters in one shot, mm-hmm. in action shot. So you're seeing all of this stuff going on, this chaos and calamity. As you see Bad Rock, as you see Blood Wolf, as you see oh so many other characters that Rob has created duking it out. And it's cool to see. And again, that trademark of these massive scenes. When you look at the movie Avengers Endgame, the one scene where they're all fighting Thanos, could you imagine George Perez drawing that? Mm-hmm. Because that, that scene is a George Perez two-page spread come to life. Everybody's there. And George was good at that. When you look at the uh, releases of the JLA Avengers or Avengers slash JLA book, there were, like, you know, the uh, the covers, like, front side, back side, and you open it, and it's like, oh, look, it's everybody together. Yep, absolutely. And I remember something not quite similar, but... At least in, I want to say, an 11 by 17 print that artist Greg Horn had done. Uh, again, something similar. And another great artist of our time, more recent time, let's say. But, uh, but George, yeah, that was that was his one of his uh, signature things, was doing that multi-character, two-page event thing. And, uh, I mean, I guess even, sure, it could, be, it could be onto one page, perhaps, but maybe far and few between. If he had the space to do it, then he was, like, all out. All in, if you will, on on that, like <laughs> go big or go home, I suppose. Or so many characters in there, and again with the space, uh, whether it was um, constraint, just to get it all. No one on can there. do it and, like George, and probably not too too much in the way of dialogue in there. But you look to at get all the characters. <laughs> having you read Crisis on Infinite Earths, and when you're reading in that very first issue, that one two page spread where everyone is like wondering why they're there. Mm. He did a phenomenal job of being able to tell storytelling through such a massive crowd scene and accomplish it in a way that is succinct and doable. Because it's it's hard to do, mm-hmm. you know, jamming everything in into one spot without it looking like shit, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's the truth. You want to do your best with this and make it look as great as humanly possible. And I feel like he always excelled at that. And... I'd love to know what was the impetus of all that. Like, what was your first moment? Like, I have to do this. Oh, boy. And how he managed it and made it work. Who knows? Mm. But I also love that, you know, he was the artist that when Marvel and DC were like, hey, we want to do a big event, all of these characters coming together and duking it out. Who's the artist that we can have for this? George. George is the man that can do it. And I would love to see like a digital restoration of the original JLA Avengers from the 1980s, from like I think 1983, 1984. The pages are out there and they've been on display at, you know, various uh, uh, comic conventions, art exhibits. Mm -hmm. And if you if you were one of the lucky 7000 people to actually get the book, the JLA Avengers uh, print that had come out earlier this year through the Hero Initiative, that book has those pages in there, the raw pencils and everything, so you can see them. It was also available in the, uh, I believe, uh, Absolute Edition, which is the giant size one. 
So, well, it's one of those things where you can experience it. And again, it's it's so heartbreaking that he's gone. But on the flip side, we can be able to remember him for what he believed in with the Hero Initiative, as well as the continued influence on so many young artists and so many of his own peers. Like I said, when he passed, one of the biggest things about it was the industry lost a giant. And they lost a giant in the form that this was covered in major news outlets, just like Neil's death. Those two were such iconic figures in the realm of comics that as a result... You saw news headlines, and they weren't the cornball, biff, bam, pow, comics at it again. No, it was a legendary figure in the realm of comics passes away. Talking about that, not like reverting to, well, comics, that is like the Adam West Batman show, right? Which again, you know, I had said on Geek Sheet, it's fine to like that stuff, but to make it the only thing in the whole wide world as a representation of comics, that's shitty. Like, that's really bad. There, we've come so far since then, you know, and to see it like just reduced to that, it sucks. But it's I'm glad to see that that the tide has finally turned. Like, remember Batman '89 back in the day? Holy something, Batman! Come on, think of something original. Uh, this is something that is probably in your mind collectively, and like no kidding, Eddie. But having this come to be widely publicized, the passing of George. Neil before that, other things related in the comic field may have an effect, we won't necessarily know, individually, on other people who may now, for the first time, be introduced to somebody like George or Isn't Neil. is that amazing? Yeah, and now, therefore, create someone who's now going to know the name, George Perez, and again, be first exposed to his work and become a new fan. After all this time. Imagine being that kind of fan where you're coming on board after seeing this. You're like, wow, I really like this guy's stuff. You know what? I kind of want to go down that rabbit hole. And what a rabbit hole you get to experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of Jack Kirby. And look at how much stuff I can now experience. It will always be new to me, essentially, because there's always something new I can uncover. Imagine being that fan discovering... Ooh, I can see this now. Ooh, I can see this now. Whereas it stinks when it's another kind of an artist and they've been around, had it, you know, they had like a big impact on fans, but their body of work is not as vast as like a George Perez or a Neil Adams or a Jack Kirby. You know, I'm a big fan of Darwin Cook, and while there's a lot of great stuff, there's only a little bit that, you know, once he's gone, that's all you have. And you can consume that, you know, within a short period of time. But compared to George, compared to Neil, compared to Jack, it's insane. It's I am insanely jealous of someone who can get into their work now and have that backlog of everything ahead of them. Well, that's true, too. And also, I think, conversely, you're on the other side of the coin. The, um, the interest, the demand, perhaps, for more of his work oh, yeah, no will doubt. manifest and come out in collections if, you know, it's, it's probably been on the way. Re-releases of. Yeah. Because you look at the uh, t- new Teen Titans, that stuff will always forever be in print. And it's funny because his work, he had made such a major impact on fans. That run that he had com- you know created with uh, Marv Wolfman, uh, ooh, the, the work is such a major 
favorite of fans. And then you have, you know, his character designs, how he would create these characters and make them look. He was the one that made Nightwing into that disco style looking outfit. And then of course, you know, more modern fans, they're more they they enjoy the black costume way more. That's a much better costume. So many of us out there, so many of us out there love what George did with that costume and it still holds up to this day. There's just something special about how he did that. Friend of the show, uh, TJ Shevlin, and by the way, congratulations on the new job at Upper Deck uh, Cards. But with that, he you know he had recounted a story of meeting George, and he had him draw an illustration of Nightwing, and it was in the 1970s disco outfit. And George was like, "I love this costume. I love when people you know request this because that that's such a great costume." But it's again. When, when you had heard about the passing, did it kind of trigger a little bit of a thing? Like, I kind of want to read more of his stuff again. Oh, I'll be you know, looking through and for and saying, oh, yes, yeah. I remember seeing this and reading this. And, in fact, it reminded me, too, a little, a few minutes ago, how what if I had thought of it, and unless I got it after possibly meeting George, was a, what is it, 2 by, 24 by 36 poster of the new Teen Titans. Oh. Um Flying around or positioned on various points of the of the T tower yeah. that they that they had, and I'm positive that that's his. And I said, "Oh, yeah, that would have been that would have been it." it it's funny because you know after all of this, a lot of content creators out there now are doing stuff in regards to you know celebrating his career. Obviously, you know you have us you're listening to right now talking about this, and you know with Neil's passing, the guys from Cartoonist Kayfabe have been doing a bunch of videos on Neil. And now it's going to probably do, you know, a complete 180 in the next week or so, and then it's going to transition over to George stuff. Mm -hmm. And to be able to see that stuff dissected and discussed is such a cool thing because it'll also shine a light on things we may never have known about, you know, in terms of original, like the the content he had created. You know, today, as of this uh, recording, on May 10th, the guys from uh, Kayfabe did a video on Neil Adams, and it was a artist portfolio edition of a story he did for Creepy Magazine number 75 called Thrill Kill. And I'm excited to see what kind of deep dive things that they can pull off in regards to George. Like stories, little known kinds of stories. I think that's going to be such a neat thing to hear and talk about. Uh, I would agree. That sounds like, you know, some things you didn't know. If you were, if you were a fan before, now maybe we're really going to get you or you're going to find out more that you might not have known about. And, you know, a little-known fact about uh, George that some you know fans out there might not know. If you had ever seen George at a convention, one of his major trademarks was the shirts he wore, yes. the button-down shirts. And they were all made by his wife. Oh, that's right. She made those by yeah. hand. I am. Um, such cool designs. I tend to think that the colors were popping. I think of Hawaiian-type shirts. But that, yeah, that kind were... of style with the collar, button-down, but uh, vibrant. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I feel like... With the passing of Neil and with the passing of George, that's a, a thing, you know, aspiring creators should also embrace for themselves. What I mean is if you're a creator, do something that's not just, you know, a trademark of your art style, but your personality overall as well. You look at Neil. Neil always wore those blue button-down shirts with his sleeves rolled all the way up and a, a tie of varying colors. You have George with those different kinds of button-down shirts of different designs made by his wife. It's 
a nice flair that, you know, is a presentation for who you are. You look at, you know, again, going back over to the kayfabe guys, Ed Pisker always has on a Pittsburgh, uh, a Pittsburgh hat, sunglasses. That's what he's known for. Neil Gaiman always ha- looks like he's about to, you know, come out of a uh, Depeche Mode concert. You have Alan Moore with the trademark big bushy beard, and he doubles as a Rasputin impersonator. There's so much different stuff. These elements of what makes these people, you know, their their flair and their overall characteristics. And I feel like that's it's such a smart thing to do. Eddie, when I see you, do you know what is the very exact article of clothing I think of when I see you? And you know what I'm going to say. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Ray-Bans. Gonna... Ray... Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that's your trademark. Ray. That's why when I got a pair of Ray-Bans myself, I called them my Eddies. But not at night. So you can, so you can. Yes. See, this is a somber episode, ladies and gentlemen, but we will find a way to shoehorn in a music reference at least once. You did it. You did but... it. But... <laughs> It's very, uh, very wonderful to see, though, the comics community pay tribute to to George. And it just, I wish we were able to, you know, well, he was able to hear from so many people how important and, you know, impactful he was on their lives. I remember, and I, I had sent you the link, I don't know if you had partaken in it, but... There was the, uh, if you send an email with a video thanking George, you know, send it off. I did it. I don't know if, did you get to do it? Do you remember me sending that to you? I think so, but no, I didn't, I didn't get to, I I didn't think I had anything to send. I I literally just said, George, thank you for everything. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, it would have just been the stuff that I've read, the stuff that I have to read, thank you. That would possibly have been it. But guess what? You just said it and it's in the universe. He may not be able to hear it, but he heard it. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that element of saying that. And and that I will rediscover it. And having said, oh, I do. And again, like I said earlier, rereading or rediscovering, oh, yes, I remember reading this when it first came out yeah. or when I first got this. And like, I like this work. And I'm like, oh, okay, he did Avengers. He did Wonder Woman, New Teen Titans, and the rest. Um, I may seek out more. That, yeah. you know, oh, as, yeah. as I've discovered more from artists than than anybody, not really writers per se, but with, with artists, more eye-catching, to me at least, and George was a damn fine writer. It's like it's swept under the rug usually because, you know, in more of favor of who he was as an artist. But he was an equal artist in terms of the written word. Like those Wonder Woman books, holy crap, are some of the best comics that you can read over at the Distinguished Competition and just seeing what he was able to pull off with that universe. And he didn't just become a great Wonder Woman artist. He became a great Wonder Woman creator. Mm. He's up there in the pantheon of creators involving Wonder Woman, and that 1980s run cannot be beat. You know, him pairing alongside with the great Jill Thompson. Jill's work paired alongside with that, good Lord. That's, that is a recipe for something that is spectacular. Wondrous, even. Mm. Yeah. This episode, you know, we want to say thank you one last time to the late, great George Perez. Thank you for all of the memories you've given us as comic book readers and being able to just appreciate what you've done and impacted the industry as a whole. It's nice to see that your impact will never be forgotten, whether we open a comic book, whether we put on a you know Marvel movie or DC movie or TV show, etc., etc., seeing that work 
all over on T-shirts, on lunchboxes, on, you know, billboards, what have you. It was cool to experience, and we're, we're very glad that we got to see it. Eddie, yourself? I uh, completely agree. And just trying to think, um, if possible, what could have gone through George's mind when the request came up to do a podcast. But maybe at that point, you know, podcasts weren't a, as big of a common, ordinary thing now, another media outlet. And if he'd given however many interviews before, different ways, whether it be in paper or, again, through audio recording, podcasting, or he was just plain tired at the yeah. time. Um, you know, nobody wants to hear anymore. Whatever mindset he was at that place in time, that's, you know, what it wound up being. Whether there was a change in that perspective, don't know. But it's not like we haven't heard 100% of people that we've asked say, yeah, pass, no thanks, not into it, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I do a separate feature called Cosplay Connection. Not everybody says they, they want to talk about what they do and stuff they just do what they do and and that's it um you know for us it's another way of getting a little entertainment out there and what one person feels how they feel about doing their workings as a character in the comics or various ones and so on but george may have felt you know yeah it wasn't his thing or not too versed in it or just plain tired yeah so you know it's respectable no question sorry yes didn't get to actually meet converse get something it it's blows my just, mind because you've met everybody. Like that's no, what gets that's, me. No, that is not true. No, I know that. It's, it's it's you know over the top. I'm saying like, but for real, like I'm surprised that you know that's one. Well, and luckily this, I, for one, for me was Herb Trimpy. Yeah, that was very fortunate, and to be in the costume that I was yeah. with with that too. So that was like yeah, definitely two thumbs up. And I feel like this is one of those things where when you're at a convention, because conventions are becoming a thing again. Go to these shows, and if you if there's an artist or a writer or whatever that you're into, that you're a big fan of, go up to them and shake their hand, say thank you. And if they're not into shaking hands, give them a, you know, a crisp elbow bump. Those are cool. I like doing it. It's making me feel like I'm in vaudeville. As long as they don't sound like Rice Krispies or crisp. But, but no, no. Like in all honesty, I'm glad that we've been able to experience and meet these people. And with this, you know, I want to, before we wrap it up, I want to give some recommendations um, for books and series that, you know, I cannot recommend enough involving the work of the late, great George Perez. Off the top of my head, uh, it's going to be a bit of a difficult one because it's not available digitally. You'll have to go do individual issues, or if you want to do the pricier option, a paperback. Personally, avoid eBay for all you can for this but the JLA Avengers storyline. Mm-hmm. But do that. Or I also highly recommend his run on New Teen Titans, the involvement, you know, throughout that entire run paired alongside uh, Marv Wolfman. I recommend the Infinity Gauntlet story, the first three issues, three or four that he's involved in. But mm-hmm. cannot recommend that enough. Um, let's see what else. His run on Fantastic Four is just that. It is fantastic. And to be able to see his work evolve over time, he did, you know, work on Man-Wolf. He did stuff on uh, Sons of the Tiger, I believe. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the the big guns for him. 1998's uh, Avengers, created alongside Kurt Busiek. Cannot recommend that enough. 
Uh, what else? Because, again, Crisis on Infinite Earths. The man was the king of the event comic. He was able to pull out all the stops on three major cross or major events. Crisis on Infinite Earths, The Infinity War, JLA Avengers, and all of those books knocked it out of the park each time. And another one, a deep cut kind of, The Avengers Korvac Saga, which takes place... You know, from it starts at like a random Thor annual, I think annual number six. I sh- no, it is annual six, Peter. You held it in your hands this weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, and just a bunch of issues in the, uh, I think, 160s all the way to 190s, give or take, written by the great Jim Shooter. And just cool stuff to be able to check out. And what other, also, of course, I'd be remiss if I don't talk about it. As I mentioned earlier, the Wonder Woman series from the 1980s, the late 1980s. This mm. is a post-Crisis on Infinite Earth, so there's a new status quo and all that good stuff. And it's just self-contained stuff. You don't really need to have a massive knowledge of the character in order to enjoy this because it starts off at a number one and helps hold your hand along the way. So, yeah, those are phenomenal series, and I cannot recommend them enough. And I hope you will enjoy them as well. Most of them you can be able to check out over on Comixology, Marvel Unlimited, DC Universe, or your local comic shop. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! <laughs>